Hi everybody, uh, my name is Nsikin Dumela. I'm a clinical psychologist by profession. Right, so what is stress? Um, stress is physical or emotional or psychological tension or distress. What causes stress? So both negative and positive situations or events or activities in our lives can cause stress. For an example, getting um, the job that you've always wanted to have can actually cause stress. Getting married can be stressful. Uh, moving homes can be stressful. Death of a loved one is very stressful. So there's many things that can cause stress. Stress somehow is a normal reaction to how, we, how the activities that are either internal inside ourselves or external are causing some form of an imbalance or a tension in ourselves. There are different types of stress. There is an acute stress. What I mean by that is that it's, it's severe, it's intense. So most of the unexpected events in our lives can cause an acute tension or distress in ourselves or in, 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 in our lives. The second one is periodic. What it means that it happens at certain intervals of your life. For an example, I work for myself. So month ends are the most stressful times because I have to pay people. I have to um, send out invoices. I have to see how much is coming in or how much is going out. So that's an interval um, stress. It doesn't happen every day. The third one is chronic. Um, chronic means it's long-term and it's constantly recurring and what happens sometimes is that the acute stress can turn into chronic. How does stress impact our lives? There's a couple of areas I want to touch on. One is it reduces our performance at home and at work and you find yourself not being able to perform your duties. The second one is you can lose memory, you start forgetting, becoming forgetful. The third one, it affects our relationships at home and at work. And some of the symptoms that you will notice is that you start to be irritable, you are short-tempered, you are tearful, and sometimes you're sensitive to feedback. Someone says something and you find yourself crying. It affects our self-esteem, our confidence and you start to doubt yourself and you doubt the people around you. It lowers our body immunity, you start to get sick um, and you, you're not coping. And what it then does is that it can also develop into other mental illnesses such as depression and anxiety. So the good news is that you can do something about stress. Stress is natural, it's gonna happen and many times in your life. And as a professional, I experience a lot of stress. So I've got many things that I have to juggle and sometimes I'm stretched. Sometimes I stretch myself and those things, they all cause stress. So one thing that has helped me is partly is to understand my triggers and be able to deal with those triggers. And how do I deal with them? Firstly, is my spiritual practice and just spending time with God unlearning and learning behaviors and attitudes that I need, um, having my support around me, having people praying for me, people holding me and sharing. Actually, one of the biggest thing about dealing with stress is about sharing 
what you are going through. That on its own, it's medicine. So one of the places I get this is my is my connect group. Uh, my I've got a prayer partner who is also um, self-employed. We meet once a month and we talk and we pray together. And and also I walk. I walk a lot in in Emerentia. I meet people in my community and I try to really stay connected. So look at what are the things that are triggering you, what can help you and what do you what support do you need to put around you? Clap for Nsiki. Good morning family. Good to be in the house of God together to fellowship, to worship together. I'm so encouraged, challenged as Greg said about the sermon series, we get to pause and put the mirror on ourselves and say, how can we do better in this area of the soul? Uh, also, just to say, we're doing this series to destigmatize mental illness because it's something that is not openly talked about, but we want to say as a church, in this church, this is a safe house, this is a safe place, you can be able to talk, and we will do all that we can to help you. I also want to say we're doing this series to help some of us who may not be there yet um, struggling with mental illness because the topic we're going to be dealing with today, which is stress, is if you don't watch it, it can lead to chronic stress, as Ntiki said, which can also lead to mental illness. So I want to encourage you to take heed of what we're doing. Last week, we were so blessed by... Pastor Roger and Nicola, and how Nicola shared vulnerably about her journey. I'm sure most of us were really challenged by that, you know, that we need help and we should go for help. Amen. So I want to just say this. I like the words of uh, Louis Giglo. He just written a book recently called The Great Comeback. He speaks about his journey of burnout and depression and how the Lord helped him to come out of it. But it was during that time, it was during that season that he learned to say, I am not okay, but Jesus is. So I want to say to some of you today that you should be, feel free to say, I'm not okay, but Jesus is. I also want to say, I like how uh, uh, Louis Giglo finishes off the story by saying, I am not okay, but Jesus is, and therefore I will be okay. What that means is uh, even during the time when you may be suffering stress or suffering anxiety or depression, is to be able to say, though I'm not okay, Jesus is, and therefore I'll be okay. And he is a great living testimony of someone who is now back alive and well because of the miracle of God. So we want to trust with you, if you have any challenges in this area, that God will show himself faithful on your behalf. So talking about stress, um, stress is overload or running on empty. Now, you will understand that in science, this is how they describe stress. Stress is a force or tension over a surface area. Now, let me speak to some technical guys here. You remember that there is a formula for stress. It's force over area, right? You remember that? Or you forgot it in your textbook sometime many years ago, you know. So, the force or tension over a surface area. Now, I want to show you this to see that actually stress is a gift from God, okay? If stress is force or tension, uh, if I was to uh, 
use this as a prop. This is when I point at people here in the front row. If you, if you start sleeping, I'm going after you, Morrison. So what will happen if I was to stretch this? What will happen if I kept on stretching it without pausing? It's going to snap, right? Great. My kids tell me that, Dad, you're snapping now. You need a nap. <laughs> Whenever I'm stressed, they tell me, you need a nap. They are helping me. Another way of defining stress and just repeating what Ntsiki said is stress is the body's reaction to any change that requires an adjustment or response. The body reacts to those changes with physical, emotional, or mental responses. Stress is a normal part of life. I know we don't like that last part, that stress is a normal part of life. We wish that life can just happen without stress. But let me submit to you today that I think that God has given us stress to help us know when we have overstretched ourselves. To help us know when we are close to the edge, when we are about to reach the limit. God gave us stress to be able to know that too much now. In fact, uh, uh, doctors will tell you that uh, stress is when the cortisol level in us is heightened up and it affects our immune system. So if you ask me, can stress kill you? Yes, it can. So you better watch it. You better, better watch it. I like this other way of putting stress is uh, knowing how much you can be able to handle. Knowing the load that you can carry. If you don't know the load that you can carry, you're going to keep on going and overstretching yourself until a time when you snap and it might just be too late. So knowing when to say no. About two years ago, Steve Morrow, some of you will know who Pastor Steve is, one of the founders of Every Nation, uh, said to me, Simon, there is something about this role that you're stepping into that we haven't told you about. You will figure it out when you get there. And I'm like, can you maybe just give me some heads up of what's going to happen? You know, the first thing that happened is I started having sleepless nights. You know, there are times when I wake up in the middle of the night and my brain will be working. And I know it only happens to me. It's never happened to you, right? There will be times when uh, I will not sleep well. And you know how it affects your productivity during the day? How it affects even your thinking and everything? It got to a place where my blood pressure also shot up. And at that point, I decided I'm now going to see a doctor. And when I went to see a doctor, this is what the doctor said. The doctor said, this is stress. And they uh, prescribed some um, sleep medication for me, and that helped for a couple of months. And uh, I had people praying for me, and I started seeing God come through for me. Including fasting, my blood pressure is back to normal, and I thank God for His healing power. Amen. Now... You must understand the context. In my family, everyone is diagnosed with high blood pressure. So for me to not even have it, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. But the doctor also said a few things that I needed to change. I needed to uh, watch my diet more closely. I needed to exercise more intently. I needed to change a few things, including watching the screen. Be careful about how much time I spend on the screen before I go to bed. The last one was the most painful one. I am now no longer allowed to take coffee after 4 p.m. So you can imagine, you can imagine now my, my, my addiction. This is a safe space I can share. Now, because if I take coffee after 4 p.m., it's just I'm going to struggle to sleep at night. 
And then Tiam goes and have espresso at 9 p.m. and he still sleeps. I'm like, this is not fair, Lord. The issue here is you need to know the limits. Know the limits. Know when it's time to say, time out. This is too much. I cannot be able to handle this. And being able to say no, and we'll come to that just now. Um, Dr. Carl Albrecht speaks about the four common types of stress. And I want to just share those before we go to Scripture today. That will help us maybe to even reflect on where you are with this issue of stress and be able to get help. The first one he speaks about is time stress. When you're constantly stressing about, I don't have enough time. For those who are writing exams, we speak peace right now in the name of Jesus. May the peace of God come upon you. You're just feeling like, I don't have enough time. There's not enough hours in the day. In fact, also another thing that happens when you are feeling like you don't have enough time, maybe you're running late to a meeting and you start overspeeding. It may be the second cause of accidents in South Africa after the cell phone. Just not planning your life well and you're just overspeeding and boom, you get involved in an accident. So now it's important to understand that time stress actually requires us to create margin, plan better. I'm one of those who needs to improve in that area. You know, we did a productive life workshop with Mark Titley a few months ago. And Mark Titley speaks about the, the sprinters and the marathoners. Now, the sprinters are those that when the deadline is tomorrow, that's when they start working today. You know yourself. You don't have to raise your hand. You know, you're like, you're like no, 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 no. I work better under pressure. You know, like I'm just waiting, you know, three days before the, the deadline, I'm out there, I'm working hard. And then you have the marathoners, you know, like three months before the deadline, they are working and they're following a nice pace. I hear an amen from the marathoners. <laughs> you know, it helps us because in the working place, it can cause so much stress, you know, when you work as sprinters and marathoners in a team, you know, like it can cause serious stress. Also in marriage, you know, like... Uh, my wife and I, we can disclose who is the sprinter, who is the marathoner. It has uh, caused stress in our marriage. Which leads me to the next point, uh, which my wife uh, allowed me to share about anticipatory stress. So Lindy struggles and suffers with anticipatory stress. That's stressing about the future, things that are yet to come. So um, this is how it happens in my household. So we will be on holiday, on the beach somewhere, and Lindy will be thinking about school uniform. I'm like, the ocean, babes, the beach, the ocean, the waves, watch, amazing, the Lord will take care of the uniform. Like the song we just sang right now, you know, like, even when I don't see it is working, he will sort out the uniform. What we've learned out of that for people who may struggle with anticipatory stress is be present in the moment. Enjoy the moment because you miss out on the moment. You are so much thinking about the future. I made the example like this year we're going to the Every Nation World Conference. It was going to be in July. Last year already we had the visas done, the flights done, accommodation done. We're just waiting for the flight. So, so please don't work out who's the marathoner and who's the sprinter. The next one is situational stress. And situational stress is stress when you are scared about something or you, you are afraid that something is going to happen. You know people who always think a negative thing is going to happen? You're always afraid that something bad is going to happen. 
Situational stresses also can be maybe you are afraid of an emergency that something is just about to happen and you're constantly under stress. Situational stress can also be caused by circumstances that are beyond us. For example, being laid off at work. It may be something that you didn't plan for. And we want to just also stand with all of you. You may be here and you're struggling to get a job that will trust God that He will provide for you, that God will come through for you. Even in the current economic climate, God looks after His people. He cares for His people. I'm reminded of uh, a testimony that I heard at our Connect group on Thursday, a guy who's studying a business unit at their company, and he tells us that he just signed two contracts. The amount together is close to $2 million, and I thought, God provides for His people in the midst of the wilderness. And I want to speak that over you, that God will provide for you in the midst of the wilderness. The last one is encounter stress, uh, stress that revolves around people. Encounter stress is, uh, you know there are certain groups of people you just don't like to be around, but you have to be around them, unfortunately. And when you have to go there, you just already have the stress of, why me, Lord? Why should I have to go there? Why should I have to go to this meeting? Sometimes it can even be a colleague that you don't want to work with, and now you're in the same project together. And just thinking about being in a meeting with them causes you stress. That encounter stress. Encounter stress is also stress caused by interacting with, uh, with people. I mean, physicians, doctors, pastors, counselors, we go through this stress. Encounter stress is like contact overload. It means when you have seen a lot of people in one day, you're like, time out, enough. I cannot do this. I need a break. So what tends to happen, I walk past Greg's office and I'm like, Greg, you need a break. Contact overload. Contact overload is when you are seeing a lot of people, you need to know yourself because introverts actually struggle more with contact overload than extroverts. You know, extroverts, you can be out there chilling with people. Like when people come to my house by nine o'clock, I start like dozing off and my wife gets alive. <laughs> I've mentioned how my kids help me with, with stress. One of the things that Rory said to me recently, she said, Dad, the more you stress out, the more you lose your gigabytes. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it's powerful. <laughs> the more you stress, the more you lose your gigabytes. And, and I had two crazy weeks this last two weeks, and she says to me, Dad, you've been all over this last two weeks. I'm like, wow, God speaks through the children. The best antidote to stress is the ability to say no or not now. Now, we're going to look at Scripture. The best antidote to say to stress is the ability to say no, not now. We want to look at the example of Jesus, how Jesus handled stress, how he managed stress, how he was able to say no or not now. Some of us, we need to know that saying no is not a sin. It's okay to say no. And by being able to say no, it's actually very freeing because what are you doing? You are watching your margins and your limits. You are able to avoid yourself from being overwhelmed or burnt out. So let's look at the life of Jesus. The first scripture we're going to read is John chapter 11, where Jesus is modeling to us how to say no or not now. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her, with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. 
So the sisters sent to him, sent a word to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Interesting from this portion of Scripture. I like the words that are used here. I mean, if you look there in verse 3, they send a message to Jesus. It was almost like a text message or a messenger, and they use this word, Lord he whom you love is ill. Doesn't that sound a little bit manipulative? The guy that you love, Jesus, your boy, your guy, your dude is ill. Can you come now? Right now, we need you. And his response is, the Ill, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God to be shown. In fact, Jesus knew that he was going to die, but he still says, this illness does not lead to death. So Jesus was simply saying, guys, my hour, my time has not yet come. I know my limits. I'm challenged by the fact that Jesus stayed two more days before going to the crisis. Most of us, whenever we get that SOS, we just respond like that. But I want you to say, you need to distinguish what is an emergency and what is something that is not an emergency. You know, you notice how Jesus did not allow Mary's emergency becomes his emergency. He did not allow that someone else's emergency will become his own emergency. I'm not saying we should not help other people, but we should be careful of this. Because this is what happens. Oftentimes, we allow other people's deadlines to dictate to our own schedules. And what happens is we're doing this because we, we often are driven with an intense desire for approval. Because we don't want to say, no, I'm, I'm not available. You feel like you're going to be rejected when you say no. But Jesus is modeling to us that, no, 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 that can wait. As pastors, one of the challenges we have is we get requests almost every day. People have got a crisis or something is happening. And then we'll say, but we can only see you two days later or three days later or next week. And, and people, they lose their cool. Honestly, they lose their cool. I'll keep going back to Greg. <laughs> he gets those calls. Why can't you see me now, Pastor? I'm leaving the church. Goodbye. <laughs> we love you. Go find another church. Why I say this is when you call a doctor, you are okay for the doctor to say, I'm available on Friday, next week. But when it comes to pastors, no, 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 you have to be available now. Why is that the case? Why is that the case? Jesus waited two more days. If Jesus could wait, we can wait. Here's another good one. Here's another good one. You remember the wedding at Cana of Galilee? Jesus' mom comes up and says to Jesus, Dude, this is what just happened. The wine has run out. Can you do something about it? Jesus' response is so powerful and it's age for me. He goes like, Woman, what does that have to do with me? That's simple for saying, that's none of my business. Don't you think Jesus used some harsh words there to his mother? Clearly, it wasn't an African mother. 
I cannot see myself saying that to my mother. He will take out his shoe right there. Sort you out. Women, what does this have to do with me? But the next, the next phrase helps us a lot. Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. That's saying, not now. Not now. Some things can wait. Some things can wait. The second thing I want to bring to you first, learn to say no. Second thing is know your purpose. Jesus models to us what his focus and his purpose was. In Mark 1.35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place to pray. Let's pause there. Remember, Jesus was God. Jesus was God himself, but he saw the necessity of going out, carving time out to be with the Father, to connect with the Father. Early in the morning, he will rise up and go and spend time with the Father. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And when he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons, he continued with what he was called to do. The, the point here is, look at that. He goes to pray. They find him praying. And as they arrive, they say to him, everyone is looking for you. Let, just put yourself in Jesus' shoes at that moment. If it was you and I, and you hear that everyone is looking for you, I'm like, I'm there, buddy. I'm there. Everyone is looking for you, that whole celebrity mentality. But Jesus was driven with this one purpose and focus. Let us go to the next towns because I need to preach the gospel. That is why I came. I came to preach the gospel. This is my purpose. So I want to submit to you that when you're clear about the purpose that God has put you here on earth for, you'll be able to say no to some things because you'll use your purpose as a grid to say, why should I be doing this? Is this something that I should be doing or someone else should be doing? Your purpose will determine your priorities. When you're not clear on your purpose, everything is priority. What ends up happening is you are pulled to different directions by this call, that call, every person saying, come, help me. I think an action step out of this is you need to look at the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life. Look at the themes that have been there over your life. Find a coach, someone that can help you to craft out your purpose statement. Whether it's a mission statement or vision statement, it doesn't matter. The key is knowing why did God put you here on earth? Why did God put me here on earth? Know your purpose. Know why God put you here on earth. Otherwise, you'll suffer burnout and stress. The next one I like is uh, know your people. Know who are the people that God has put around you to journey together with you. As the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. Know those that God has put around you to build His kingdom. We are not called to do it alone. We are better together. We are stronger together. Amen. Matthew 14, Jesus again models to us. The scripture that we are used to as uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000, as I've been reading this over and over again, it, it's coming across as it was actually the disciples who fed the 5,000. Watch this. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You 
you give them something to eat. I bring your attention to the fact that Jesus was God himself. He could have just formed, um, uh, he could have just worked out a miracle. He could have just worked out magic and fed all the 5,000. But he says to his disciples, you feed them. What that means is uh, we get to be so busy trying to feed the 5,000 when God has placed people around us that we should journey with the few and they will feed the 5,000. What it means is Jesus, performing that miracle, he still gave the food to the disciples to distribute five loaves and two fish, to distribute. Let us not try to be Jesus to people. We try to be a Messiah to people, that Messiah rescuer mentality, always trying to help people when even you know you're not in a good place to help. There are two reasons why we, we do this. We, 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 we tend to not trust people. Let me speak to the spirit of perfectionism. So you actually uh, delegate someone with something, but you don't give them the authority to make decisions. Some of you will, will identify with this with some of your bosses. They give you something to do, but they don't give you the authority that comes with it to be able to make decisions. So what tends to happen is they want to micromanage you. This is not to say that you should not be trustworthy. You should be trustworthy so that you can be trusted with responsibility. But what tends to happen is because we don't trust people, we end up caring too much. We don't trust people. Another thing is our natural instinct is that I've got this. I can do this by myself. Another thing is a false sense of responsibility. This is something that I thank God for delivering me from. Because what tends to happen is you, you don't know that this is actually not your responsibility. It's someone else's responsibility. You're all over trying to close the gaps, all over trying to sort out other people's problems. That rescuer mentality when you should actually let people grow by themselves. So know your people, know those that you're supposed to journey with and empower them. The next one is know his rest. So to be a little bit more practical about how to handle stress, is, uh, you need to be able to say no. You need to know the people that God has brought you, that God has brought around you. But you also need to know his rest. Enter his rest. Mark 6.31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming in and going and they had no leisure even to eat. So Jesus and his disciples, they've been ministering all day. They are tired. They had no leisure. They even had, didn't have time to eat. Like here in Joburg, I go back to this thing that we pride ourselves for workaholism. So the fact that I don't even take breaks, I just work through lunch. Jesus saw the importance of taking time out and resting. So let's talk about the principle of Sabbath. So Sabbath is meant to be that you work from a place of rest. In the New Testament, Sabbath is you start your week with Sabbath. You rest and then you go to work. You work from a place of rest. The world we're living in is you work, 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 and you go on holiday. You work, 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 and you go on holiday. But God has put these rhythms for a reason, that we should rest, recreate, and recharge. And out of that, we will be able to work from a place of rest. Know his rest. Work from a place of rest. Be intentional. I like this. One of the guys that's very intentional about us is Tony. He, 
he will schedule on his calendar times of rest on a weekly basis, rest, recreation, recharge, and relaxation, but also they will plan their holidays for 2020. I think it's got something to do with anticipatory stress or marathon. I don't know which one it is, but it's good. But it's good to just plan and have it in the calendar and say, this is how the year is going to be like. Have those rhythms. Amen. Have those rhythms. And finally, this is the important one. Sleep. There's no other way to say it. Can we not pride ourselves for sleeping three hours? The body is not meant to sleep three hours. The body is meant to sleep six or more hours than when you're fully rested. In fact, you should be sleeping eight to nine hours. Can I hear amen to that? You are not being lazy when you're sleeping nine hours. You're just going to be more productive. I know some of you, I'm like, no, pastor, look, I'm working. I'm doing the most. We have to get into the practice of sleeping. Speaking as one who went through the challenge of struggling to sleep, I know how it affects you. So whatever it takes to get into the rhythm of sleeping better, that's something that I've been wrestling for, and I'm seeing God come through. So look at Jesus' example, and this is where I want us to have faith for. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him and them with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were there with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling with water. But he was in the stand, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So what amazes me the most is there's a storm on this ocean, on this sea where they are, and during that time of the storm, Jesus is sleeping. So I'm praying that God will teach us to sleep in the midst of the storm. Because the storms will always be raging, they will always be there, but how can we get to this place where we can sleep in the midst of the storm? I believe that what is happening in South Africa now is just like a storm that is sustained, that is happening week after week. You watch on the news, there is something happening. But God is calling us to be able to sleep in the midst of the storm. It may be a national storm. It may be a storm in the family. It may be a personal storm. But you can be able to sleep in the midst of the storm. Remember, they say that still water runs deep. You see over the ocean the waves and the waters moving and waves raging. But if you go deep down, it's quiet. I believe God is calling us to the deep. To get to that place where we can quieten our souls. While the storm is raging up here, but we can feel the peace of God. We can be able to say, peace, be still, to the storm. While the storm is raging, we can say, peace, be still. We need to learn to sleep in the midst of the storm. How are we going to do that? I'm going to bring you to this very powerful scripture that we know very well. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication, present your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds, so that your mind will not race at night. What does it say to us? It says that present your request your worries to the Lord. 
And that's what I had to do when I was not sleeping. Present your request and your worries to the Lord. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard here and it will also guard here. Let us stand to pray. There is a pamphlet that uh, the usher should have extracted from what Rick Warren has written. Take five minutes a day and complete this spiritual workout. Uh, you can go ahead, ushers, just hand it out. Uh, you can take one per family. This pamphlet, basically, it helps you to see Philippians 4 verse 6 in a different light. How can we get into the practice of presenting our request to the Lord, of bringing our worries to the Lord, that we don't carry the worry and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. So I want us to pray this morning, and I want you to also practice this during the week. Take five minutes to present your request, your worries to the Lord, and you'll be amazed what will happen. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. Father, I pray that, God, we will learn to sleep in the midst of the storms, Lord. Teach us to sleep even when the storms are raging around us, Father God. Whether it's family, whether it's in the nation, Father God, may we have the peace that passes all understanding, Lord God. That cannot be explained, Father God. That why do we have so much joy and hope and peace? It is because we are abiding in you, Father God. We are abiding in you, Lord God. We are abiding. We've learned the secret of being in the Word, being in prayer. And Lord, I want to pray today specifically for those who may be wrestling with sleep, Lord God. I pray for your peace to come upon them, Father God. That God, you'll give them breakthrough, Father God. That whatsoever has been troubling them, we say to that, peace be still. Peace be still. We speak the peace of God, the shalom of God. Nothing broken, nothing missing. We speak it in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for those who are struggling with worry, Lord God, and we just pray and say, peace be still. We pray for those who are worrying about their finances. We say, peace be still. We, say, we pray for those who are worried about work and what's going to happen next year. We want to say, peace be still. We say, peace be still. We speak the peace of God, the shalom of God over those situations. And Father, we want to say to South Africa, peace be still. We want to say to the electricity situation, peace be still. We want to say to the SA situation, peace be still, Lord God. Lord, come to our country and may we experience the peace that passes all understanding. For God, you are able, Father God. You do not want us to live with chronic stress. I pray for those who may be struggling with chronic stress, Lord, set them free today. Set them free today, Lord. Set us free today, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a round of praise.